BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Listener, today's episode is one from the Black Label Archives. I've released two Black Label episodes to the free feed as a preview for what you're missing out on the Patreon. These two have been two of the tamer episodes. To get access to a large back catalog of Black Label, go to patreon.com slash obscurocrimepodcast. Again, to get access to a large back catalog of Black Label, go to patreon.com slash obscurocrimepodcast. July 27, 2011. Early morning, around 4 a.m. Bakersfield, California. Sheila Coriel wakes and finds that her stepdaughter, age 8, is not in her room. The covers on her bed are not messy like they should be. It's like Sheila's stepdaughter never slept in the bed at all. The cold shock of fear at that moment must have been intense. Not knowing where your child is for a moment is a paralyzing fear. Having it set in must have been indescribable. Panicked, she calls 911. 911, what's the location of your emergency? It's Bakersfield, California. Okay, and do you need police or an ambulance? I need the police, please. Okay, what happened? My daughter's missing. Your daughter's missing? She wasn't in her bed. How old is she? She's 80. She's what? She's going to be 8 tomorrow. It's her birthday. I know it's. I know you're upset, but I need you to take a deep breath so I can understand you. You said she's eight? Okay. So she's going to be eight years old tomorrow. Her birthday's tomorrow. She's okay, so going to be July 28th? Yes, ma'am. She'll and be eight. What year was she born? Um, to, to what, 2011. She's going to be eight, so 2004. Okay. What color shirt and pants was she wearing? Last night when she went to bed, she was wearing a pair of hot pink cheetah print pants. And she had on a little light pink shirt with a kitty on it. And 
Okay. Is she white, black, or Hispanic? Huh? Is she white, black, or Hispanic? She's white. Well, she looks Hispanic, but she's white. Okay. She's got darker skin, brown eyes. What's your name, ma'am? My name's Sheila, and her stepmother. I just called her father freaking out right now. She was with us. Okay, Sheila, what's your last name? My name's Coriel, too. Okay. And you last saw her when she went to bed? Oh, I gave her a hug and a kiss last night. Okay, what time did she go to bed? She didn't go to bed until about 9.30 last night. Okay. Have you yelled out for her in the house? Yes, I've been screaming for the last five minutes. Okay, I still can't understand you. What was that? I've been, I've been screaming for her. I, I just, about two nights ago, we had an incident where my husband came home and he smelled smoke. She came in the room and there was a straightener. My, my straightener for my hair was on her dresser and a towel wrapped in it. And it was smoking. And the window was open, open, and me and my husband freaked out because we didn't know what was going on. I thought my daughter maybe got up and got the, the straightener, you know, playing with it or something, and didn't realize that it could do that. So we didn't really report it. So we were just like, oh, you know, maybe that's what happened. She was scared to tell us. Okay. Where's your husband right now? He's on his way back from work. Okay. This isn't entirely true. Her husband hadn't been seen at work for three days. Something I'll remind you of later. And I know her mother. Her mother's threatened me and her right to take her from us. Okay. Are any of the windows or doors open right now? I, I don't see anything. And that's the thing. I bought, I bought alarms. She couldn't leave. Okay. And the alarm is armed right now? <laughs> no, they weren't alarmed. I would have heard them. <laughs> okay, are there any other kids in the house? There's four other children in the house. They're all here. They're all there? Yeah. Okay, have you yelled for her outside? <laughs> I did not. I just don't feel like she'd go outside by herself. She's super scared of dark at night. Okay. And matter of fact, last two nights because of what happened, I made her sleep in my room with me. And she's not in here with me. I, I got up. My husband just left for work. I got up to see, check the house. I always get up. I check the house, make sure all the doors are locked, windows are locked still, and I check on my children. I went in here in her room, and I noticed that her bed was kind of, you know, like her, her blanket wasn't as usually as poofy as it usually was. There was a dog in here. She's got like a full, you know, the big, Did, big stuffed dog. Does she know what the password is to the alarm? There's no password. But is there a code where she could disarm? Uh-uh. Okay. No, it's not a, a house alarm. It's just when the door, you know, the window or doors where the magnet gets pulled away, it goes off real loud. Okay. So, I'm, I don't know where she'd be. And I checked the bathroom. I, I looked everywhere for her. <laughs> Okay, how do you turn the alarm off and on? Is it always on and it just covers the windows? No, you just turn it by a switch. All you have to do is turn on the little, the switch up, and it, it sounds the alarm if the door is open or anything. It's kind of like a door chime. Okay, and it's still on? It wasn't turned off? 
It, well, when my husband left, he turns it off when he leaves. He turns it off when he leaves? Yeah, so when he goes out the door that the kids, you don't wake the kids up, and that's when I usually get up and I turn it back on. So you turned it on as soon as he left? Yes, ma'am. I got up, I turned it on, like I said. I, I checked the windows to make sure all the windows were locked. And I, I came in here, like I usually do, and because of the incident the other night, I turned the light on to check for my daughter, and I pulled the blanket back to see if she was all cuddled in her blankets because I couldn't see her head. And it was her dog. Her stuffed dog, and she's gone. Her stuffed dog is gone, too? <laughs> no, it's just her, but her dog was there. Both her blankets are here. Okay, is anything missing? No, not that I can see. According to Sheila, the girl was taken from her biological mother, Veronica Coriel, due to a drug addiction issues and all the baggage that comes with them. Veronica knew her now ex-husband since she was 10 years old. They married in 1999, divorced within five years. During this period, Veronica saw her children around once a month. Okay. How, when did that happen? Oh, man. Um, it's been happening for the last... She's going into third grade, and she was in kindergarten when we took her away from her mother. We had to take her away from her mom because they were sending her to school dirty, and when she peed her pants, I guess they didn't change her. Her mom's a drug addict. I know for sure she's admitted to me and Ray, me and my husband. There is a bitter, dark irony in Sheila calling her stepdaughter's bio mother a menace. But I won't jump ahead too far. And she told us that she was on drugs. But I think she she mentioned the word heroin. So me and Ray just took her away from her mom. Okay. Is there any other way somebody could have gotten in the house? There's two windows in her in, in the room, but both of them look locked. Okay. The back, there's a back door, but I don't see her going back there. We got some big dogs. Okay. Have you been in? Okay. I just don't do want to know, go outside because... Do you know the yeah. mother's address? I I don't know if she was homeless last time we knew. You can find the That's last address That's another reason she her? was... The last address, uh, my mother-in-law just went to it. I'm not too sure. It's down the street. Okay, what's her, her, what's her name? Her, her name... Okay. How old is she? Yeah, she Veronica, I want to say she's 27 now, and she's got a, uh, he's her fiance, his name's Mike, Mike, um, do you know Mike's last name, babe? No, oh my god, my mother-in-law knows his last name. Is your husband there now? No, he's not, he should be, he should be pulling up any minute now. Okay. <sighs> she was almost all the way to work when I got it. By the time I checked, and I got up and used the restroom, and like I said, I, I go through the house every day. 
And I just got up this morning and made sure, wanted to make sure she was in there because of what happened the other night. Have you been through every single room in your house? Yes, yes I have. I've looked for her everywhere. I've looked in my bed. I thought maybe she crawled in my bed with me. She's not in there. I even woke up my 11-year-old son because I thought maybe she got scared and got in bed with him. It's her older brother. They, they have the same mom. Okay. And I know that his mom wouldn't take him because him and his mom don't get along. Okay. But that little girl, she, she told that little girl, I don't know, numerous times that they were going to take her from us. And she told me she was scared. And I told her, oh, mommy would never take you. She's just saying things because she's upset. You know, I thought maybe she was just upset that we had took her from her and told her that she couldn't see her because of the drugs. Okay. When was the last time the mother did see her? <sighs> last time the mom seen you guys, um, my, son, my son's eight weeks old. They seen her. Uh, she didn't even get to see him, actually. She came over three days after the, my baby was born, which was July 1st. It was about that weekend, so around July 6th, I want to say. Okay. She came over, and she she didn't call us or anything. She just showed up, and she wanted to take the kids with her. So about she wanted just to ago? take her daughter. Huh? So it was about seven weeks ago? Yeah, it was about seven weeks ago, but she told her. She came over. I distinctly remember because of the fact that she she wanted our kids, but she just wanted our daughter at first. And I told, I looked at my husband, I shook my head, no, because I had a funny feeling. And he said, no, either you're going to take both of the kids and spend time with your son, too, or you're not going to see them. And she will, well, I'll take them both, I guess. And she was, like, real reluctant on to, to take my other one with her. And then my husband said, no, never mind, I don't want them going. Well, I had asked her before, after she left. Why didn't you let the kids go? He said he just didn't want them going. That she seemed like she was acting odd, like she was on drugs again. Okay. What's your husband's name? Ray. R A Y. And the same last name. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And what kind of vehicle is he going to be driving? He's going to be driving a, a 2010, I do believe it is. It's a dark gray silver uh, Chevy, four by four. Okay. Four doors. He should be home any minute. He should be home any minute by now. I mean, my mother-in-law just took off. She's driving a Mitsubishi White Endeavor. She went to go see if if she could find my daughter at her grandma's house, which is down the street. Okay. Which is the last known address for Veronica too. What was that address? Uh, I'm not sure what the address is. It's on Brandage here. I mean, I've only been there. Yeah, I've only been here, I've been there a handful of times. Did I mean, your mother you know, take her way over to that address? My mother-in-law was going over there to see if, if she could see us there. Because that's the only place I could think that they would take her because they're, they're homeless. The last time I knew, they had bought an, uh, an RV, the one that you can drive. They bought one of those and they told us they didn't have money to be putting it in. Okay. Sheila, the deputies just arrived there. Can you go outside and talk to them? Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. Between five and six hours after the 911 call, the eight-year-old little girl walked up to a man tending his garden. She was covered in dirt. 
She woke in great pain that morning, pressed down beneath a couch. The eight-year-old was bloodied, battered, and bruised. She had to lift the couch that had been thrown on her off her person to stand. She was hungry and thirsty, and in great pain. A doctor would find that the child had been sexually assaulted with injuries so bad that they required surgery. The man who committed such a horrible act? Ray Salvador Coriel, her father. He was, at the time, 29 years old. He hadn't shown up to work in days. The girl's brother told police that she had told him that she felt like something bad was going to happen to her days before the kidnapping and sexual assault. It makes me wonder if she felt something was off about her father. The day after realizing the police were on to him, Ray armed himself and fled. He and his wife Sheila exchanged texts at the time that made it clear he was considering killing himself. Some may be saddened to hear that he didn't do so. No. Ray cared about himself more than anything and he holed himself off in a house. There was a seven-hour police standoff before he was finally arrested. The children, including the girl who this episode is based on, were placed in protective custody. I hope wherever she is that she has found a family that loves her. One that has her best interest in mind. One that loves her. Ray was allegedly sexually abused as a child. He claims he was assaulted by his cousin. This doesn't forgive anything he did. Ray Coriel, at age 33, took a plea deal. 34 years to life in which he'll have to serve, at minimum, 85% of the sentence. I'll be honest with you. At age 33, potentially serving under 30 years doesn't seem like enough. He sexually abused a child to the point that she required surgery. At a spry 53 years old, there's no telling what he'll be capable of. I can only hope he doesn't make it that long. Ray, I'm sure I can speak for my audience when I say, I wish you a terrible prison stay. Do us all a favor and don't make it out. Clarksville, Indiana, March 1st, 2013. On a Friday night, Richard Hooten, age 49, first laid eyes on 17-year-old Tara Willenborg. Richard had already spent much of his life in and out of prison, actually half, a sex offender, a rapist, of how many, who knows, but at least one conviction, a man who had committed brutal assaults, one using a knife, and even a prison escape. In fact, Richard Hooten is out on bond due to a possible connection to a felony gun charge. But we're not done yet. Richard has been suspected of several murders, though never caught. Yet, here he walked. And here he saw his next victim. It makes you wonder who your neighbor is. Richard Hooten casually spoke with Tara, she being relatively at ease not knowing his past. I imagine Richard was feeling that old itch from days past. For sex offenders, it never goes away despite what they might tell you. But Richard managed to hold off for the night. And Tara went back to her apartment without suspicion. Police at the time considered Richard Hooten to be a ticking time bomb. But nothing was done. The people that lived around him didn't know that he was a violent rapist and potential killer. Richard had two convictions in Clark County alone in which plea bargains were reached. And little was done to keep him off the streets. So, listener we find ourselves at the intersection between Richard Hooten and his next victim. And, despite what you read, know that nothing really was done to stop what was coming. His last three charges didn't take into account his obitual offender status. Richard and his lawyer managed to postpone an awaiting trial for 15 more months. 
it seemed that Richard Hooten possessed a golden ticket. So, Richard wandered back and forth from Louisville to Indiana, committing crimes, assaults, using fake names, and mostly ignoring the terms of his probation. Why not? The consequences rarely stuck. Richard himself was the spawn of a killer. A man who raped and murdered. Yes, his father was cut from the same cloth. He was convicted for a murder and sexual assault in the state of Arkansas. Like Richard, Daddy Hooten found himself in and out of prison and eventually died serving a sentence back in 1988. Richard's father was labeled as mentally incapable of stopping his sexual assaults and physical violence, something I believe Richard Hooten himself inherited. By the age of 21, Richard attempted to murder his friend over a small dispute. Repeatedly stabbing him, he was sentenced to 10 years, and by 1987, Richards hopped the fence of the prison and escaped. The state slapped him with another two years, but by the time 1990 rolled around, Richard found himself a free man. He barely served any of his sentences. Within two years, Richard Hooten forced his next-door neighbor into her home and proceeded to rape her. The act was so violent that, despite the area being rural, the neighbors could hear the screams from miles away. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison and eventually released early from prison. This is just a snapshot of the life and crimes of Richard Hooten. Now, I'm going to play for you the 911 call made on March 2nd, 2013. 911, what's the address for your emergency? My girlfriend is raped and I think she's dead. I need someone here now. Okay, is she breathing? No, she ain't. There's vomit, she's in beat. Because there was something tied around her neck, I just cut it off. She's dead. I can't, I've been doing CPR for the past 20 minutes. She ain't coming back. What's your address? I'm at... Yes, it's called Cambridge Square. It's a complex. Someone said they already called the ambulance, but I'm just making sure. Who called the ambulance? My neighbors. Okay, we don't have a call on it. You said you've been doing CPR? Yeah. A detective came and knocked on the door and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get someone down here right now before I kill them. They're, they're on their way, Okay. Because I think my neighbor did it. I've got the other, the other uh, dispatcher dispatching them at this time. Do you want to continue to try to do CPR? Yes. Tell me what I need to do. Okay. All right. Okay. Are you there? Yes. Okay. You're gonna take your hands and you're gonna place them. Oh, yes. 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 On five times, right? She's on the floor, right? Yes. Okay. You're going to put your hand in the center of her chest right between the nipples. All right. Okay? Yes. Push down hard and fast, two inches in depth. Okay? And you're going to try You're going to try to pump twice every second. It's going to be about 100 compressions a minute. It's going to be very quickly paced, okay? Say that again. It's going to be very quickly paced. You're going to want to do about 100 compressions per minute, okay? So do it 100 times? I'm sorry? Do it 100 times? Like, put down our chest 100 times, is that what you're saying? Keep doing that. I'll do 30 of them, okay? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, I think it's keep doing it. Keep doing it. Thirty more compressions. Give her two more breaths. And then go back to thirty more Keep going. Keep going. 
just sounds like she's choking on her own vomit. I can tell she vomited. She bruised all around her neck. She lips can't get colored. I don't feel a pull. Okay, keep doing the impression.
See a bucket bag, bro? Oh, cigarette. Damn, my cigarette. That's my dude, man. I'm just trying to get my dude, my girlfriend. His girlfriend done dad and stuff, man. Are you still on the phone? Yes, sir, I am. Uh huh. All right. Are you still there? Really? As I'm sure you're aware of from that harrowing 911 call, Tara didn't make it. Her family and boyfriend left to deal with the echoes of this horrific crime for the rest of their lives. An online obituary for the 17-year-old reads, Tara Rose Willenborg, age 17, died Saturday, March 2, 2013 at her home. She was born in Jeffersonville, attended Jeffersonville High School, was an employee of Subway, and a member of St. Luke's United Church of Christ. She loved animals and her friends. Survivors include her parents, Todd Willenborg and Kelly Curran of Jeffersonville, two brothers, Todd Willenborg Jr. and Derek Willenborg, both of Jeffersonville, a sister, Colleen Willenborg of Jeffersonville, her grandfather, Neil Curran of Clarksville, her grandmother, Vicki Mangum of Kentucky, her fiancé, Josh Lewis of Clarksville, her aunt, Terry Vaughn of New Albany, numerous cousins including Ashley Simmons, Avon, Justin and Ethan Stenger, and Chris Willenborg, and her best friend Jessica Mosqueda. Expressions of sympathy can be sent in the form of contributions to the Jeffersonville Animal Protection Association. In an unorthodox move, after his arrest, Richard Hooten gave a live confession and interview to the media. I'm going to play an edited down for you version of this. It's a must listen. I just lost it, you know, left the uh, rodeos friends and then my girlfriend and I came back and she was sitting on the steps and you know, I went back in my apartment I come back out she was still sitting out there and asked if she wanted to hang out so we went in her room and started hanging out and everything. When did you know, when did you decide that you were going to attack her? Did you plan it? I didn't really plan it, you know. didn't really plan it or nothing like that because I went into her apartment and then you know, she was a pretty girl, you know. But I didn't know she was 17. I thought she was like 19 or 20, you know. Would that have made any difference? Not really. Maybe a little bit because she's, you know, a minor, you know. 17 years old to me is a minor, you know. But you're a rapist, you've admitted. I mean, I know that. I never raped nobody younger than me. It's always older. She was crying and telling you not to do this. Why did you continue to do that? I just lost it in my head. I just lost control. Were you under the influence? Were you drinking on any drugs? I went on no drugs. I mean, I was drinking earlier, you know, at the house. Has she been drinking? Was she under any influence? I, I don't know. I don't know if she was drinking or not. It seems you said this is far from the first time this has happened. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. How many, how many times has this happened? Uh, I got accused for rape like three or four times. You've been to prison for rape three or four times? Yes. How many rapes have there been that you haven't been to prison for? None. Why do you rape women? I don't know. Can you help yourself? In the affidavit, the police released yesterday and said that uh, she, or that you knew you were going to rape her. Is that not true, or that you told police that you knew ahead of time that this was going to occur? 
I didn't tell her. Did you get a feeling of, of any sort before coming into her house? I mean, she was a pretty girl, you know. I, I didn't want to have sex with her. Yeah. How, do you, how do you feel about murdering Tara? Murdered by it. Oh, I wish I could take it back. How did that happen? How did it go from just... You've obviously raped women before. Mm -hmm. Why did it increase to, to murder? I was just having sex with her and anxiety on me, I guess. You know, when I had my hands around her throat and I just kept going and going, you know. I didn't know how strong I was really putting pressure on her, you know. I was choking her. Why did you keep going when she was crying and telling you no? And clearly in a lot of breathing. I just blocked it out, you know. I wasn't thinking about it until after it was too late. And then when you saw that she was no longer breathing, take us through what you did next. It looks like you tried to cover it up. Well, what I did, I took her off the bed and tried to give her CPR and mouth to mouth trying to revive her. And I did that for like 10 to 15 minutes trying to get her back and I couldn't. And I just acted like, you know, she did it herself so I tied up one of her aprons or whatever around her neck and then I left. Why did you call police or ambulance at that time? Cause I was scared because I ain't did, you know, did that crime. Mr. Hooten, people who are charged with murder and rape usually don't speak out and tell us details about what they did. Why are you doing this? I'm just trying to, you know, give y'all closure of what happened, you know, and everything and help our family. Richard Hooten was sentenced to life without parole plus 70 years. Tara's family didn't want to drag things out for years to achieve the death penalty. Her father had this to say, He's not a human. He's not an animal. He's far below. Calling him by his name is difficult. Calling him by anything but an it feels nothing but right. This is not about him. This is about my beautiful daughter, Tara Rose Willenborg, who did nothing to deserve this. I love Tara, and we had a good relationship. I was her daddy. I was her protector. But that's all gone now. Listener, if you enjoyed what you heard, consider subbing to our Patreon. To get access to a large back catalog of Black Label, go to patreon.com slash obscuracrimepodcast. Again, to get access to a large back catalog of Black Label, go to patreon.com slash obscuracrimepodcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.